Welcome to the Not Old Yet podcast, where we explore the subject of aging from a fresh new perspective. Each week, you will learn how to look, feel, and be youthful, no matter your age or stage of life. Tune in each episode to hear words of wisdom, stories of hope, and keeping it real advice from your host, Elizabeth Vanderveer. We got a beautiful story. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Not Old Yet podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth Vanderveer. Welcome. We're here today with Cindy. Hi, Cindy. Hello. And we're going to be talking about upkeep and how to keep looking youthful, tips and tricks that we have, things that we've tried, things we would do, things we wouldn't do again, no topic off the limit. I'm going to start first. Cindy, you're a fashionista. You are a fashion model for over 50 years, a fashion designer, a production designer. I told you in the last podcast that I had made an impulse purchase that I had no idea why I bought it. I've never bought anything like it in my life. And it's a jumper, jumpsuit, if you will. And I'm wearing it right now. So I said I promised I would wear it on the next podcast, bought it at Ross, and it's sleeveless. What do you even call this? It's got a neckline. It's got this showing my shoulders. And then it's a drawstring waist and a full pants. So it's a... And I love it on you. It's called a jumper? It looks fabulous. I love the cut. So what do you call this cut? Well, it's a type of a halter in that it comes in this way. But you've got really nice shoulders, and it's very complimentary, especially since it's a high neck, because you're not exposing too much, Mm. just the shoulders, and still, the point of the lines coming up, go right up to your face, it it showcases your face really nicely. I think you did a great job. Well, thank you. My $15.99, I think, at Ross uh, succeeded, like I shared last podcast, I've worn it on several uh, meetings and occasions and have been so happy with it. I've worn thongs, I've worn dress shoes, I've worn evening shoes with it and get a lot of compliments. So this is similar, I guess, to the cold shoulder. It shows enough shoulder that it's very alluring, but it doesn't show cleavage, which for me, I don't want. It doesn't show the side boob, which I certainly don't want. Uh, I know that look is really big and it doesn't show that I don't even have to wear a bra. It's that thick of a fabric and yet flowy enough. I'm really happy. I apologize that I don't know who the designer is, but I was suggesting in the fashion segment that we did that we all purchase something once a season that's on that seasonal rack that is a new risky item. I think that I'll wear this beyond the season, though. I'm very happy with this purchase. So let's talk about upkeep. I've talked about this before on other shows that I have a med spa, and therefore I've availed myself of a lot of things. But there's a few things that I am not doing right now that I could be doing. One is eyelashes, those big, beautiful (laughs) lashes that everybody wants. Well, I tried and 
boy, they looked great. And I kept it up for a few months. It was weird because you really can't wash your eyes the same way. And they were phenomenal until they started to fall off. And then as everyone told me, and I was like, no, that won't happen to me, but it did. When they do start to fall off and you start to help them fall off because you can't avoid picking, then all your eyelashes fall out and then you're left with no eyelashes. So it's really a bitch. But boy, when they look good, they look great. But then when they look bad and when they fall off, they're a nightmare. So I've avoided putting those back on. But I found a mascara that is so incredible. I've got to tell you about it, but I don't have it here. It really does an amazing job coming from someone with virtually zero eyelashes. So Botox, let's talk Botox. So when I was practicing medicine, I used to say uh, another addict is born every day with Botox because once you start doing Botox, it's very hard to stop because you get used to number one, seeing your eyelids up higher and you get used to the way that the world sees you, which is no frown lines. And there's actually a study showing that people that get Botox have an improvement in depression, or maybe it's less depression. But the findings showed that because you look happier and don't have the resting bitch face or the resting bastard face, as I call it, RBF, then people see you as happier and they treat you better. It's a legitimate study. I think it came out in JAMA that Botox is good for your mood. So you've had Botox, right? Can I ask? I have. Actually, one of the side benefits was to help my migraines because I have had migraines monthly since I was about 18 and they usually last for three days in their shutdown type migraines. And so I noticed that it helped with that. Well, it's uh, FDA approved for migraines. So that's awesome. Yeah. I know that I need Botox, not just because I get movement back, but because I start to get my headaches back. So a lot of people can get Botox. They don't know this, but you can get Botox for medical reasons and insurance may or may not cover it. Flex plan usually will cover it. And it does your aesthetic treatment as well. So you get the double whammy with getting Botox for headaches and migraines. It's also FDA approved for sweating. And even if you just have social sweating, it can be life-changing to get Botox. Insurance usually doesn't cover it, but most people that have hyper sweating will pay anything because it's so worth it to get rid of that problem. So Botox can be used all over the face, uh, not just between the eyebrows. I think it's FDA approved for the forehead, the crow's feet. We use it all around the mouth. We use it in the jaw for clenching, necklace for necklace lines and bands, platysmal bands. We can use it for pain and your neck. We can use Botox so many places. Fillers. Fillers are amazing. So I did a show where, and you're a perfect example, and look how you're sitting. I'm slouching, and you're sitting up so beautifully. Okay, here we go, guys. I'm going to sit up straight now. Dr. Google says the top three things for youth and appearing youthful are 
volume in the right places. So not down here and high cheekbones and a chiseled jawline. Those are the three hallmarks of youth. And I can say that from when I was seeing patients to what I continue to get myself to this day. And it's very interesting for me now to be a patient, not a provider, at the same age of the people I was treating 15 years ago. You know, so watching myself be the patient getting these procedures now that I was helping pioneer 15 years ago. So we started back then to do the dermal fillers here underneath the eyes and in the cheekbones so that we can have big high cheekbones. I mean, look at you, Cindy, you've got the gorgeous high cheekbones, volume in the right place. And so that means often cheekbone filler, tear trough filler, filler on the sides of the temples. As we age, we really hollow out here and that makes us look very old. A lot of people love that look because it makes them look skinny, but it actually ages you as well. And then finally, the jawline, where there's so many things that we can do to chisel that and bring that back. And what happens here is there's excess skin from collagen loss, and also there's fat pads that slide down the side of the face and congeal down there. So there's lots of different ways that we sculpt and lift. So for the jawline, there's lots of different ways that we can sculpt the jawline and get it more chiseled, which is a hallmark of youth. The other thing that I know that we've talked about is collagen stimulation. You need it not just from a topical point of view, but from a laser point of view, therapy, YAG, Alexandrite, IPL, different lasers that can stimulate the skin and the collagen growth are super important. What other procedures have you had? Hmm. Uh, let's see. Juvederm? Yep. That's a dermal filler made out of the sugar uh, hyaluronic acid, which is also in a lot of topical products. Mm -hmm. um, that is something that attracts water into the skin. So you can put it into the lips. That's most often where we put it now. You can put it into the area around the mouth, the cheeks. We rarely do that. We use other products for that. But yeah, dermal fillers. So putting back volume where it's lost from when you're youthful. So when we're young, the volume is up here to the point that we pretty much have a triangle this way. Then in midlife, we tend to do the square. So we're square up and down. And then as we get older, we're the inverted triangle. So, you know, we have the jowls and the widening down here and the narrowing and the thinning up top. So we're just one big geometric shape. But the more, you know, we can keep our head up and keep our mouth almost smiling that makes a huge difference into this area here in the lower face so turning the corners of the mouth up not getting the resting bitch face <laughs> i learned about the resting bitch face on me which occurred on television years ago because someone wrote in and gave me feedback i was like thanks that's ever so helpful but it was true that when i was listening to what someone was asking me or you know, talking about on camera, I would 
just completely have a frowny face. And it was just my natural relaxed face. And what I had to learn was how to look more approachable on camera in particular, but it, it stays with me throughout my day, whether I'm on camera like this or not. I would say hair color. Hair color is really, really key to looking young and a good hair color job versus a bad hair color job makes a big difference. So two things happen that I see that are really frightening to me because they're hallmarks of aging. One is the black or very dark hair color. And then, you know, the white grow out of several inches or an inch or whatnot. And you never know if it's because they forgot or because they can't afford it or did they just not notice that there's an inch of grow out of gray? So another thing that I've always wondered about hair color is when do you know to let it go gray? And how do you do that? Because obviously if you have that grow out until it grows all the way out, that's going to be months, if not years for some people. So do you go in and have someone put gray and salt and pepper into your hair? But more importantly, when do you decide to do it versus keeping your hair color up? I'll tell you someone who shocked me with her appearance, and that was Carrie Fisher right before her death. Her gray hair to me just aged her, just turned her into an entirely different genre for me of almost grandma genre. So Letting your hair go to its natural color is a big decision when you're going gray. And especially if you're in that in-between stage where you have some of your original color and some of the gray color, how do you do that and when to do that? And then do you have to change everything in your wardrobe? Like my mom today would look ridiculous in yellow gold because everything about her is salt and pepper, gray and white. I don't even ever see her in gold anymore. I just see her in silver. So do you have to change everything when you make that shift in your life to the natural color? And when should you make that? Well, actually, there's, there is a big difference between the two. But you're not only losing the pigmentation of the color that you used to have in your hair, but you're losing the pigmentation of the skin tone that you used to have at the same time. And so when your hair is turning to, whether it's salt and pepper, or if it's on the blonder side, but going to white, it's the same thing when you look at your skin tone. Your skin is washing out as well. And so it kind of goes hand in hand at the same time. There are two people that I think have transitioned to this beautifully. And fortunately, one of them you don't know, the other one you do because she's a celebrity. But the one I'm thinking about has very thick, very long, luxurious hair, and she's always been a blonde. And she just let it start to fade into it gradually. And it's almost all completely white, but it's got very subtle shades of kind of a palomino blonde in it. Mm. And it's stunning. It is gorgeous. The other person is Diane Keaton. Look at her in book club. And she's let her hair go gray. And she's added, I think, some highlights to soften it a little bit. But I love it. 
I like it so much better than what her hair was looking like several pictures before that. Hmm. Those are both fair-headed people, though. But what if you're dark? I'm trying to think of someone that I know or someone like a celebrity that might be like that. Ooh, Rita Moreno, I think is her name. Oh, she, she's dark, dark hair. She's let her steel gray come in, and it's a great combination. It's very sophisticated looking. She wears her hair on the shorter side, but it's, it's really well done. I don't know her um, by name. I'm sure I'd recognize her. She's uh, a dancer, well- singer, and an actress. She's probably most well-known when she was much, much younger, and she was in West Side Story. Hmm. I'm thinking of Frankie and Grace, Lily Tomlin. She's let her hair kind of go salt and pepper. Kathy Bates, she's let her hair go salt and pepper. Jane Fonda is pretty blonde. It looks, I don't know how she's got a great color to her hair. Well, let's talk about beauty products a little bit. One of the other things we were talking about before going into the beauty products, we were talking about upkeep. And one of the, one of the biggest upkeeps that I did for myself, and we were talking about on a previous podcast, was Thermiva. Mm. And to me, that was huge difference. And that was certainly upkeep, but they also have the male version of that, which is Gainswave. Yeah, for those that are listening that or watching that don't know, Thermiva or Thermiva is a non-invasive stimulation of the vaginal tissue. It's uh, vaginal rejuvenation using radio frequency waves. It's comfortable. It's highly effective. There's no downtime. In fact, you're encouraged to have sex the day of, day after, all that. And it's life-changing. It helps with incontinence, pain, infections, appearance, laxity. It's incredible. You and I have both had sensitivity. Sensitivity as well as natural lubrication. Orgasms and lubrication. Yes, about 11 different indications. The male treatment that we're referring to is called Gainswave. The program is called Gainswave, but it uses a different technology entirely. It's not radio frequency. It is uh, shock waves and uses like a jackhammer device to treat, effectively treat erectile dysfunction in men with six or sometimes just one non-invasive treatment. It's pretty incredible. Men and women benefit from both of these procedures. When your partner gets one of the procedures appropriate for their gender, Oh my gosh, it helps both of you. It changes the tempo of a relationship because erectile dysfunction or severe pain during intercourse that interrupts your sex life, all of that is such a a buzzkill in a relationship and it just adds to the problems. And so if you can solve your sexual problems or if you're a woman, if you can start to solve some of your female issues in these non-invasive ways, it's life-changing. The incontinence alone, we have women uh, that get Thermiva 
that are in tears afterwards because they can run again, they can do jumping jacks, they can do their yoga poses and not worry about incontinence, they can have relationships with their husbands again. I mean, it's pretty amazing. And these are young women. Some of them are in their 30s and they're having problems with pain and uh, incontinence and chronic infections and dryness. And you don't have to be going through menopause. But if you are going through menopause, this procedure works. Thermiva, it's a series of three treatments. You've had all three, right? In a row? Yes. Yes. Once a month for three months. And then you can do maintenance treatments annually or whenever you want. The Gainsway procedure is phenomenal. It was developed by someone in a very different industry, and it uses the shock waves in a handheld device to apply shock waves to the male parts. And it's done in a controlled way. It's done in a very discreet, you know, professional way. And it breaks up the tissue and it causes neocollagenesis and all the other things to rejuvenate and including the blood vessels. So you're creating new connections and new blood vessels in the sexual organs. And that actually heals the erectile dysfunction. It's pretty incredible. We've had testimonials from the procedure that after just one and two treatments, erectile dysfunction is restored. The function is restored without medication. So that's huge because the statistics that we were taught from the people that make the device is that 50% of all men in their 50s have some evidence of erectile dysfunction, if not a significant problem with it. And the statistics really bear out decade by decade. 30% of 30-year-olds, 70% of 70-year-olds have some form of erectile dysfunction. And now there is a non-surgical way to treat it. It's pretty incredible. Non-surgical, non-invasive, painless way to treat erectile dysfunction. And collagen is collagen, guys and girls. It doesn't matter where it is on the body. It can be on the arms. It can be on the face. It can be in the hoo-ha. It's collagen. What else? So uh, all therapy is a great procedure for stimulating collagen and lifting tissue. I've had a few of those. Have you had an all therapy procedure? I have. Yeah. It's uh, spicy is the word. Mm-hmm. It is ultrasound, high-frequency, multi-focused ultrasound. So think about the type of thing you do when you have a baby. You know, they give you that ultrasound on your belly. Well, this is an ultrasound like that. And it goes deep into the tissues, deep down into the layers where we lift during a facelift. And it tightens the tissue around that layer. And... It's a highly technical procedure. You have to get it done where they really know what they're doing. But boy, it can work wonders. And we could use it on the face and the neck and the arms and the belly and the legs and the buttocks. I mean, you can use this machine pretty much anywhere. It's a great procedure, but it is spicy. I uh, sat next to the developer in France for eight days in a row at a conference in 2010. And he kept trying to tell me what a great machine it was. And I was like, yeah, one hit wonder. He hadn't done anything in the industry. 
he was uh, completely fresh and he came out with this idea and it took me four years to adopt the technology. In 2014, we got our first machine and within a year we had two machines because it's such an impressive, non-invasive way to lift the skin. It's actually FDA approved for skin lifting. But you can use that pretty much anywhere. You can use it regionally around certain parts like mouth or eyes. You can do full face, neck, non-surgical lifts. You can do off face parts. So stretch marks and lax skin on the face and body. Um, what else? Peels and microderms are always great to lift off sun damage and shrink pores. Fractionated resurfacing, I've availed myself of that over the years. The microneedling, PRP. I've done hair PRP where they stimulate your hair. That's one thing, girl. Hair, oh boy. Hair and teeth, they make a big difference. I could buy teeth, but I, I couldn't get hair transplants to make my hair look like yours. You well, I have a lot of hair. Thank you, Mom. Just tons of hair. Beautiful hair and just absolutely stunning woman. I think hair uh, makes a big difference. I wear wigs. Everybody must know that by now. <laughs> if you look at any of my social media, you know that I am a wig girl. But boy, having uh, vibrant, good hair is helpful. I wear a lot of hats when I'm not wearing wigs. But your hair is always gorgeous. Do you color your hair? I do. Most of it's natural, and I add some low lights, and I add some warm highlights in the winter. And then in the summer, I cool down the low lights, and I add a few higher lights around my face. The rest of it is just me. That's beautiful. Yeah, it's gorgeous. So makeup, I would say makeup is important to wear. Not always, you know, you want a neutral face as well that you can wear out. But some of the things that change in our skin really do change our makeup routine. I've pretty much given up liquids almost to just go to the powdered cake makeups. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, but I'm more normal skinned. You're dry, correct? Um, I'm drier than I used to be. I, I used to be oily in the T-zone, and I have gotten drier, but I'm not particularly dry. But I do have rosacea, and I have extremely sensitive skin. So those are two things that I've been mindful over the last decade. And I've also come to know the triggers that set off rosacea so mm. that it's really kind of a non-issue now. Rosacea is very common in men and women over 50. The incidence goes up with age. And like you said, there are triggers. So I used to see women that would say all the time, oh my gosh, if I have a glass of red wine, I just go flare. If I have hot coffee, flare. And that's very common. That's a very good sign that you have, not good sign, but a very sensitive sign that you have rosacea is that it flares with chocolate, peppermint, red wine, heat a lot of other triggers. But as we age, we tend to get more rosacea. And in its unchecked form, and if it's just going bonkers, 
it disfigures the skin. Rosacea is a bug. And that's why they give you an antibiotic gel and an antibiotic by mouth oftentimes. It will disfigure some of its people. Not everyone that has rosacea gets the WC Fields nose, but that is a possibility. And once that happens, the only way to change the nose back is surgery. They can do what's called cryosurgery, and they can do any number of types of things to change that skin. But the most important part would be prevention. And so a lot of people have a little rosacea when it gets to the point that you're just flushing all the time or you're flushing through your makeup or your vessels are dilated. So often what happens in rosacea is that constant flushing is causing vasodilation and then those blood vessels can burst. And that's when you look in the mirror, if you look up close, you can just see those tiny little spider veins. Sometimes they're not small at all. In fact, I've treated people over the years that just had, you know, garden hoses on their face for blood vessels with their severe rosacea. And there's lasers that you can use to uh, treat rosacea. It's pretty spectacular, the results that you can get. But wearing makeup that isn't too cakey and isn't going to like settle into your fine lines and wrinkles and enlarged pores, that's another thing that can be very aging. Also check the color of your makeup. So more tone on tone, I think, like your makeup looks beautiful. I mean, it just, you've got a little emphasis on the eyes and some contour and things, but you know, it's a completely professional, fresh look for any age. I have my basic set of makeup, my go-to that's just kind of neutrals. And then I vary how much of them I put on based upon what I'm doing. But there's a go-to and then I have a little subset of that in my purse for touch-ups. But all the stuff that's not useful or I don't use on a daily basis, I put into another basket or another bag and I don't have it cluttering up my life. One of the other things that I see women do that I think dates them is wearing too bright of a blush and I went the other day to both Ulta and Sephora to find a blush that I wanted. And I wanted a, you know, well, it's what I ended up buying. But it took a a lot of effort to find this blush. The colors were insane. They were like party favor colors almost. They were clown colors. And I was testing some of them and trying them on my arm going, I would look like I belonged in a, a funny camp if I put those things on. And also I would say the reds and the oranges and yellows and all those crazy things that the girls are putting on their eyes on Instagram, forget. That's not for us over 50 something. Concealer, be super careful about what concealer you use because they often make everything look worse. Tattooed eyebrows and eyeliner, you better be going to the best in the world because otherwise they look silly in my opinion what do you think of tattooed stuff personally i'm not a fan and i'm not a fan for several reasons one i know of at least three women that have shared with me 
they had their eyeliners done and they have had nothing but problems. They have infections, they have blisters on their eyes, and it's just not been good. As far as the actual tattoo itself, whether it's brows or eyeliner, the thing is, is that just like anything else, there are times where thicker brows or thinner brows are in style, and it's the same thing true with eyeliner. Not everything is going to stay the same. And so styles change with clothing, hairstyles, and with makeup. And part of that is brows. If you think back to the 80s, very, very thick and unkempt brows were all the rage at the time. And then it was sometime in the 90s that they were all pencil thin. In fact, they were very thin in the 70s as well. Very, very thin. And as we age, because of tweezing and waxing our brows, the hair is not coming back in like it used to. So your hair in your brows thins out. The problem is, is that a thin uh, brow tends to age us. Mm. And so if you can use some of the other products to help fill that in, either with a really good brow pencil or even by using the, oh. uh, the lash products, if you paint it on your brows, that works. That also help. Just make that sure works. it doesn't drip down the side of your face. You can put Latisse on your eyebrows and it works great. It makes them yes. longer, thicker, darker. Yes. I bought one of those pens. It's a, I bought it online on a shopping network. It's a pencil that they claimed you could get different colors based on how hard you pressed. So light feathers was blonde, heavy, could get black. Biggest piece of crap I've ever bought for 24 <laughs> hours and or for $24 and paid $15 shipping or something ridiculous like that. And it was such a crock. I couldn't even believe that I fell for it. They're so damn good on those shows. So anyways, the color of your eyebrow is super important too. And you don't want it to be disharmonious with your hair. And when you tattoo something on, you're making a permanent statement about the color that you want on your face. Now, I get it. If you have no eyebrows, it's a pain in the neck to always put on eyebrows. But guess what, ladies? There's like stencils out there now. There's multiple products. I would go to Ulta and Sephora and Nordstrom and wherever you want and get a brow consult at each place and then decide which one you like best. There's some that are waterproof too. So I have this, first of all, brows frame the face. You have beautiful brows. Did you put anything on your brows? Always. You okay. wouldn't see my brows if I didn't. Okay. So that's the exact kind of brow that you want. You want to put on a brow that's noticeable, but it's not the focus. It's the frame of the face. So just as you organize a photo shoot, I used to look at the face in a very artistic way and the brows are so important. And my favorite product right now is called Gimme Brow or Brow Wiz, I think. I can't remember. I'm so bad at promoting these things. But it's called Gimme Brow. I know that for sure. And I can't remember who it's by. But it's amazing. But it's 
very specific colors that don't always go with my hair color. My hair colorist the other day put in enough red that I was being called red by people. It's like, oh, this is not what I meant. So if I had tattooed eyebrows or something, I wouldn't have been able to flex my brows with my hair. But you definitely need some eyebrow. Ditto with the eyeliner and the lip liner. They all fade. And so they end up looking ridiculous when they're fading. Or in the case of around the lips, they end up skipping. So when you get the wrinkles, you don't even have like a complete line of color. It's got skip lesions all over it. It's because of the way that the mouth makes wrinkles because of the muscles. And the eyelids, they become gray. The tattooing kind of grays out and turns bluish. It's really... I'm not a big fan. I think it ages us. It ages the face immensely to put tattoos on it. Tattoos in general are an interesting topic. I don't have any. Do you have any? No. No. Yeah, I remember back in early days of medicine, so the early 90s, we used to just be marvel, like we'd marvel at older women that would come in with tattoos. Usually they were military women, but like an 80 year old with a tattoo was just like, ah, shocking. So what is that? 80 to 2000, it's almost 30 years. That's a long time. A lot of culture has changed, but I still don't have a tattoo of any sort, but I sure see a lot of people our age getting them. I never got a tattoo. And this is what is really surprising to a lot of people. My ears are not pierced. I have no piercings. Wow. Not my thing. Well, I got humiliated one time about my earlobes, and I actually had those operated on. I had those short. But I then had to have them re-pierced, and I'm not happy with the re-piercing. But why did you never get ear piercings? I remember watching one of my grandmothers, who is a very posh lady getting ready to go out and she would sit in front of the vanity mirror and doing her hair and her makeup and then her jewelry was there and I would watch her put her earrings in and her ears were pierced but mind you now I was probably about six or so So she had had her ears pierced, I'm guessing probably sometime when her late teens. And the metals back then were very, very heavy when it came to earrings. And so her lobe had grown very long, but what was originally a hole was now a slot. And I used to think, mind you, I was like six or seven. And I think I said at one point, Grammy, can I put a dime in there? And that's what it looked like. It looked like a, like a slot machine where you could put a coin in. Yeah. And it just, you know, and she explained why that had happened and everything. And just growing up, I used to go, Ooh, oh, I can't do this. And then when ear piercing became very popular and my very first roommate had gotten her ears pierced, she took them out too soon, and they started to close up on her. Well, when she tried to put them in, she couldn't, so she asked me to help her. 
and I could get them in the front part of the hole and I couldn't find the back end of the hole and the whole visual of it was that I was taking this tiny post and digging around the inside of the ear trying to find the straight through and it was just like I can't do this. That sounds like a bit of a trauma about ear piercing. Just never went there. Well, I can understand that. I do wear earrings, not often, but I do wear them. I just don't wear pierced. Gotcha. I uh, have five holes total and only wear earrings in two of the holes. So I went a little crazy with my ear piercing, (laughs) but no tattoos. Well, and many, many women did. So, you know, it was a sign of the times and it was just an option that I didn't get into. I think that's an interesting point, though, about earlobes in general, that they can be very aging. I mentioned that I had mine operated on, but I still get filler in them as well because that long hanging earlobe my grandma had as well, Mm -hmm. and that's very aging. My grandma had unpierced ears and she wore those big, heavy clip-ons and she, you know, died with these huge lobes. She looked like she might have been tribal. They were so long. So I think getting those looked at, like the operation to get them surgerized was so inexpensive. It was almost nothing compared to what things cost, you know, for aesthetic procedures Mm -hmm. and then you can put dermal filler in them to plump them up and make them look more youthful so even if you don't need surgery and you don't have big long uh what did you call them slits you know if you don't have those big slits in your ear but you still just have excess skin you can just get filler you don't have to have surgery and one vial of filler split between the ears can really plump up those earlobes It's appropriate for women. I think at my med spa, the oldest patient we've ever treated was near 80, you know, for her ears. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's a universal or an ageless thing. Ears, teeth, as I mentioned, I think teeth are very anti-aging. I'm a big fan of Crest White Strips. I've bought some of the other systems over the years, but those rapid white strips, I think, do a really nice job. Agreed. I know certain people that swear by tan towels, those kinds of things for the self-tanning. I don't self-tan. I think it looks great on some people, but the smell and it's always a sugar base in the, that makes the product. And I don't do well with that on my skin. So I'm just not a tanning, self-tanning person. But I know that a little color in your skin can look great. I just went to this Ayurvedic lecture down here in Beverly Hills the other night and the doctor that was lecturing actually talked about how we want unprotected sun every day that he said, and I don't know his data, I haven't checked the facts yet, but just that we don't want to be wearing sunscreen all 24 seven. We want to get some unprotected sun to get our vitamin D and other goodies from the sun. So now that we're actually getting some sun here in California, I love it. I moved from Portland, where you are, to California to get some sun after 52 and a half years. And it seems like all it's done down here is rain, and we're no longer in a drought. But now we're getting a little sun, which is nice. I guess there's... We haven't haven't had much sun here, though, either. 
Well, you were this last year, boy, but now we have June gloom. So right. we're just getting out of June gloom here and into July sunshine, hopefully. So any other tips or tricks for looking young and keeping up with upkeep? Yes. About six months ago, I noticed a crowding in my teeth. And so I talked to my dentist about it, and he said, your teeth are always shifting. They're always moving. And for those who had braces on, typically they would have their braces uh, 12, 13, 14 years old. But as they get into their 40s, their teeth may have gone right back to where it was before. And so he was saying that retainers are the key thing. But of course, your retainers that you may have had at 14, they're not going to be the same types of things that you would use in your 40s or older. So I went ahead and got some aligners six months ago. And it's a six-month-long process. It's all through the mail. And I couldn't be more pleased with it. I'm in my last week or so of wearing them before I get the retainer. And it's very economical. It helps straighten my teeth. And a good smile goes miles as far as helping with uh, youthful exterior. And you feel better when you've got a confident, nice smile. So take a look at your teeth and if you notice an overcrowding or a crooked or spaces, this can help. Yeah, no kidding. I had no idea you were doing that. And you've done it top and bottom or just top? Top and bottom. Wow. So have they moved? Yes, they have. A lot. Was it painful? No. I remember having braces when I was young and they were just so painful. Mm -hmm. And this is such a subtle difference because unlike when you're going into the dentist office and you have braces or Visaligners, you're having those Visaligners on your teeth for quite some time. And then you go back into the dentist and you get your next set. Whereas with these, they're pre-made and you have them set up so that you change them once a week. And so it's a very, very gentle migration, if you will. And I never know pain at all. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Cindy, and for your advice. We loved having you here. Thank you for your participation. Thank you. And feel free to leave us your comments. We'd love to hear what you think you to stay looking, feeling, and living young and healthy and wealthy and wise. We'll look forward to talking to you next time. Thanks so much for joining us. Again, I'm Elizabeth, your host of the Not Old Yet podcast. Thanks so much. Bye.